Wake up in the morning feeling like Waterman is extremely well, she's very slippery. You don't own me. Okay, now the tough question. Is this a try? Yes or no? Just because I'm a woman. <laughs> Hello, tryhards. Hey, everybody, we're back. Slightly later than planned today because we've just had to perform a steward's inquiry into Nolly's predictions on Match Pint because she thought that she had been shortchanged because she's doing so badly, but it just turns out her predictions are rubbish. Yeah, no, they have been pretty poor. (laughs) Um, I have also forgotten a couple of times and it's been kickoff and I've literally missed, missed it by like 15 seconds. The first week I missed it because I hadn't updated the app, which I was going, yeah rather frustrating but I will admit there's a bit of gamesmanship from me in that sense because there are times where I think oh I should text Nolly and make sure she's done it and then I think nah well thanks for that interestingly my I do the um fantasy league for the men's uh, Gallagher Prem and my brother does actually remind me and he does it so that he can make it a fair contest because at the moment I'm beating him and he wants to beat me fair and square. So he he messages me every week um, to say, do your team. Um, and he has actually caught me up. I was blitzing him, but he's catching me. Like that's such a Sam thing. He wants it to be a fair contest. Um, I will say with regard to Fanzo, great to see former glamour model Katie Price at the top of the log. And can she <laughs> hang on? There's a week left. Um, she's storming ahead. She's going very well in the tryhards league. She's on 169 points. Mike Chapman behind her on 145. Katie has put her predictions in for this weekend without a team being named. So punchy from her, but we wish her the best of luck. I don't know where Katie lives, but it'd be great to see her this Saturday. Drum roll, please. Yeah. It's our first get together for a for a beverage for a pint of guinness i feel like you've kind of that's a bit of a damp squib the way you've just announced our <laughs> event there. thank you for those who aren't aware on saturday the tryhards will be getting together with every other tryhard who wants to come it is a free event in the pack horse and talbot in chiswick i couldn't remember the name of it then uh, I keep calling it the horseback and coaches. The Pack Horse and Talbot in Chiswick with our friends at Fanzo and Guinness. It's free to get a ticket. You just go on our social media. The link is there. It's an Eventbrite link. Just sign up for your ticket in advance. Get your free pint of Guinness when you're there. And we're going to watch the games together on Saturday. And obviously the showpiece of the, all of that will be the Grand Slam Decider between France and England I'm buzzing are you buzzing Nolly well it's the first event of its kind so we've been breaking records we've been doing all sorts of things and it is the first one got like you said all three games we can have a bit of banter with you about the Welsh game we'll see we'll we'll talk about our predictions later when we've discussed them but um yeah no I'm really excited and actually what's cool is that it'll just be good to to see people watching rugby have a Guinness have a chat and we've got some fellow tryhards coming down some legends of the game yeah some serious tryhards can we announce them oh yeah you do it you you tell us nolly who's coming so we have the most capped player um from england rugby rocky rochelle clark goodness me um we have the best abs in the england team the quickest player that's played across the pack in sevens she doesn't have any right to be as fast as she is because she has played in the front row but vicky fleeto fleetwood is coming days love that girl so much um we i don't really know why i did this actually when i was thinking about who who would be great to invite i know someone else with an amazing six pack that's been in thailand recently then, and then you said thailand and i was like oh not me then um, Claudia McDonald, absolute ledge, um, has announced recently that she's had a really, really rubbishy injury that she's been dealing with, but she wants to come down and chat and have a beer and talk all things rugby. And then we have my mate from All Things Broadcast and London Irish legend. And the, and the Nigerian Exile Sevens coach. Please do not forget that. 
Cup COJ. So we've got an amazing lineup, and I actually think there's going to be some other World Cup winners there. So I'm not going to I'm not going to put pressure on them, but oh. I have had a few messages. So and the pickles of the listeners here, Nils. I think the big thing that we want to get across to everyone is that this isn't your kind of fuddy-duddy old rugby man rugby panel we are getting together because we all want to celebrate these games this Saturday we want to watch it together and we've got some amazing people to give their insight have a bit of a chat we're going to play some games we'll have some prizes it's going to be fun I think we are putting the fun back into oh what's a word that's got fun in it that I could use in this context fundamentally a great day out for rugby fans (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and actually, I think what's really cool is, and people will say, oh, you're going to say it because you work with Guinness. I work with Guinness because they're awesome and with fans as well, but it, because they genuinely want to start um, creating a buzz on trade in pubs for women's sport. And the idea of this is to start identifying the really cool places that you can go and watch the games and you don't need to try and convince somebody to change the flavor and interestingly i put a little message on the red roses old girls group um and said look this is going on if any of you guys down in london it'd be lush to have you obviously you guys are all vips um i'm sure we can get you another a cheeky bev um and told them about the fact that we're looking at building out this kind of accreditation this type of idea of recognizing really great places to go for watch for watching women's rugby and women's sport and Amy Garnett, um, England's hooker, um, retired. She basically said that they were down on holiday um, in the Southwest and went into a pub. There was a massive group of them. Pub was empty, big group of them. And they were like, look, we want to get the women's rugby on. please." And they basically flat out ignored them and said, mm-hmm. no, they wouldn't. Um, and so that they, and they basically got a bit of food takeaway and left and t- took their business elsewhere. And I think what's crazy is that that didn't surprise me and it didn't actually it shocked me unfortunately um and i think that needs to change and so the idea of setting these events and and it's getting the ball rolling with really good experiences in pubs so that you don't have to scrabble around and work out where you can watch it or sit at home because you can't you can't you don't know where's yeah. going to show it um so yeah so that's, that's what i really I'm- love i just want to add on to that what i really love from a fan's own perspective and i think this is where they understand it's not just about it being on in a on a portable TV in the corner of the pub. Dom from Matchpoint will always say with sound because actually, when you think about it, it's not just the having it on in the pub; it's it being the centerpiece sport. And this game should be the centerpiece game of any pub this weekend. Obviously, I say that because I've got absolutely no idea what football matches are on, and I've got no interest in football. But it's great that we are part of an organisation that are recognizing that it's about finding you know allies in women's sport extends to pubs let's find some pub allies but it does though because it's normal to have the opportunity to go into a pub and know that the sport you love and the the team that you support if they've got massive matches it's normal for you to be able to go in and and see that in men's sport but it's not in the women's game and I think and, and women's sport in general so I think it's a really great piece of work and um and yeah, like we and and what's also good is obviously three games. So we'll have it, have the Wales game on. We've got all of our super, like England superstar guests and extras coming down with the Red Roses game. Um, but we will be staying around um, for the last match of the round with um, Ireland Scotland. Um, is it Ireland Scotland or Scotland Ireland? Ireland Scotland, I think Ireland, it is. Um, and yeah, there's going to be food, drinks, all that stuff as well. Because obviously, you don't want to have people that especially rugby players without food because hanger, hanger as you know as I know I've already been thinking about what I can stick in my handbag just in case you uh, get a bit too peckish I've got a grenade bar on standby um shall we talk about last weekend's rugby my, my little friend um I was down at the arms park on Friday evening so should we kick off there yeah I saw your little uh, montage on the Nick and Mo show with all your highlights being pitch side quite the camera woman Thank you. I've had some practice. Uh, I also really undercooked it and I was freezing. You know, in Dumb and Dumber, when they go on the little moped to Whistler, they get there <laughs> and Lloyd's got the snot coming down the sides of his face. That's a little bit what I looked like by full time. I was so cold. I think we well, it was about midnight. <laughs> well, we've been missold this kind of spring rugby window because it was sunny. It ain't warm. But I learned my lesson. 
we go well, again. It was a debate as well. Interesting. It was. What did you what do you think about that? Um, I actually spoke about it on the Nick and Moshe yesterday. I wondered how much impact it had on the players um uh, playing a home game oh, on a did Friday you see, night. Um there was an article or I don't know if it was like an official article or whether Jazz Joyce just put it up on her socials basically saying that she's normally in bed at 8.30. And then it was seconded by Alicia um, Butchers, her partner, by basically saying, no, she's actually like, this is true. I just thought it was really funny. Um, (laughs) I mean, I subscribe to that. Like, you know, I, I like a good kip and I like going to bed early. So for me, it's not ideal. I think, um, it's interesting. You made a really good point to me when we chatted about it, that it is governed by um, TV deals. And in this instance, it's not necessarily the S4C wanted to put it on at that time. It's because it's a French TV audience. And obviously the French TV audience is massive. We know that. But I wonder how fair it is on Wales to forego perhaps a bigger gate because the French want it on at that time of night. Now, it was the last Friday of the Easter holidays here in Wales you know, had it been a little bit earlier, would there have been more in? But if it had been on Saturday, would there have been more in? Now, the issue there is twofold in that Cardiff had a home game on Saturday. So Wales women wouldn't have been able to play the game on Saturday at the Arms Park. Could they have played at Parker Scarlet's and, and had a bigger crowd? I don't know. But I just think it was very telling that the crowd for the Scotland game was so big and it was then I mean the north stand and terrace looked pretty full but it was still less than 3,000 there which is disappointing considering they'd had you know 5,000 thereabouts for the Scotland game um I think the onus is on the union to look at how they're gonna I think something that I thought about on Friday night as well obviously whilst I was thinking oh it'd be nice for this to be on Saturday can't because Cardiff are at home Wales are the only team in this year's Six Nations that haven't moved their games around the country. So obviously England will have played their home games at different home grounds. Ireland will have played it at different home grounds. Scotland have played it across Edinburgh and Glasgow. The French move it around for fun. I'm not in favour of games being played up in North Wales. I think they're soulless and I, I don't think it attracts enough of a crowd, but it would have been nice to have a game at Parker Scarlet's, I think it would have been nice to have one perhaps at Rodney Parade. So I think that's something that, that because the Arms Park isn't their home ground, it's where they play their home matches, if that makes sense, there is an opportunity for the WRU to have a look next season at how they want that to move forward and whether that does mean moving those games around. And actually, there should be an appetite next year. Wales play England in Wales. Parker Scarlet's holds more people and is a full-seated stadium. Do they look at, you know, let's let's start now. Let's ramp this up and let's host the World Cup winners at Parker Scarlet's next year. Well, hopefully the last part that you said, because you did just say quite a lot. So I'm, I'm going to try and unpick some of it because um, I can't remember most of it. But I think moving games has been really positive. Um, what was really cool between Gloucester and Leicester for the England games was that Gloucester really started to ramp up on their socials, like competing with Leicester, which I just really liked. Yeah, and it was like that. prodding, prodding the lion permanently. Um, and and I think Gloucester doing such a good job, they um they then promoted everything like more so with uh with Leicester, really getting behind it as well, and people wanting and to to be part of it. And I think people attract people so you see it on tv and you go oh wow that looks amazing i want to be part of that i want to go um so yeah i think moving it around is good but you have to have like a big run into it you have to have a reason for it gloucester was a really good location because it wasn't as far for the welsh fans to travel you know if you move it to parker scarlet's actually are you going to get as many english fans traveling if they travel to cardiff would they go an extra hour anyway probably um I think that what's cool is the last however many years I have been smashing my face off of a wall about games clashing um, and not being able to watch them all. Whereas that hasn't happened this year. So that is a huge positive. And the fact that we're looking at kickoff times because of gates not being like foot, like that's awesome. So I think it's a big step forward, but there is quite a lot of strategic stuff behind what's happened this year loads of learnings and the hope that that is then like looked at analyzed 
rationalize and kind of rationalize right this is why we made this decision should we change it for next year and like move on so yeah I've just given a very long-winded reply to I think one of the the great things about women's sport is that women characteristically are never satisfied so I do think we will continue to move the needle (laughs) on all of this um I started this by saying that I was freezing at the arms park on Friday and I made my exit very quickly you know where I'm going with this Danielle Sean one thing that Wales struggled with in the game against France was their exits. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Philippa talked about it in comms. I thought she did an awesome job, actually, um, in like as she does um, in commentary. But she was talking about how Wales were lacking the ability to, to clear their lines or just to get out of their 22. And unfortunately, it was a theme across the board as well with Ireland. Um, you know, if you've got... If you work incredibly hard to get a penalty, you call, you create a, a, a mistake so you can get a set piece and then you clear <laughs> your line and it just goes past the 22. Well, that's an amazing attacking opportunity still. Um, and where England have been above the rest and actually Scotland to an extent when they connect, the girls can, can clear the ball. Um, but yeah, I just think it kind of hampered them, unfortunately. And, and Philippa actually talked about, and this is an interesting one, my dad always talks about why women's rugby is coached in the same way as men's rugby because we have a different skill set and I think it's a really really good point because we're not many men so don't coach us like men and actually coach us in a tactical way that suits our abilities just because Snowy hasn't got a 50 meter kick doesn't mean she's a bad player she can kick the ball really well tactically so change what you want from it do you kick to compete put it up in the air so you get your fast wingers do you put it down the middle? Like, where do you put it on the field? Yes, it doesn't look like the traditional rugby exit or whatever it might be, but it's playing into the hands of the yeah. ability of the players. And, and it might not even be, you know, I know this is a bit crazy, but I remember playing for Wasps. Um, I think it was against Richmond. And it was when Amy Kikane was playing at Wasps. And she booted the ball but so hooker smashed the ball just a bit like just, and it went I think it went from like 22 to 22 at one point Nora our big German second row was taking restarts why because actually she was she could get the most amount of distance those types of things I'm like Lana Skeldon she yeah. can kick goals I know it might not necessarily look like what we think rugby should be but if there's someone with a bigger boot put them in the pocket put them where they can do it and just boom the ball away if that's the tactic you want to take one of the things that's really interesting with Wales is that Flaky George is on one of the retainer contracts and we haven't seen her this Six Nations she has been in the dugout week in week out wearing a bib as a water carrier I know that I went into camp pre-Six Nations and she was wearing a boot, whether it's a fitness issue or what, it just seems very odd that they've put an unfit player on a retainer contract at the beginning of the season that we now haven't seen. And she wasn't one of the ones who was announced in the initial group. She was somebody who the decision was made in March time. So I'm, I'm really interested to see if she's involved this weekend, if they bring her in, when and where we will see her involved. We do know that there are likely going to be World Cup wins <coughs> this summer. I just want to pick up one thing with you in terms of, it's interesting when you talk about wasps, and this is something that I kind of ruminate on quite a lot. Uh, I think Johan Cunningham's a, an absolute fantastic coach. I think he's a great coach, and, and you hear very few people say anything otherwise. How much would it help him to bring someone like a Giselle in on a consultancy basis this summer going into the World Cup? Somebody whose rugby, women's rugby IQ is, is so high, so good. You know, he, There's no denying he's a good coach, but that women's rugby IQ must add something to a group like that or could add something to a group like that. Oh, yes, yeah, massive. I think I think probably where someone's like Giselle's skill set really lies is, is with like building the teams and the culture and and you know, by all accounts, if you look at their performances, actually the culture and the behaviours and how players are gelling is going really well with Wales. Could she offer stuff? Of course, like her experience in the game is massive. Um, and it, it also is around opposition. You know, Jan Cunningham hasn't, has always oh, played the Six Nations teams, but, and in my, in my opinion, actually has got the tactics pretty well spot on against most teams like the way he's asked his players to play the basics how he's focused but 
when you go, you know, they're going to New Zealand and they're going to be playing the likes of New Zealand, actually understanding the players, understanding the mindset, having been around it, been there, done it. I think there is massive value in that. Is someone from outside the Welsh setup and, a, and an English player the right person to do that? And an English coach? I don't know. Um, maybe it is. You've teed me up. You've teed me up. Your middle name is Sean. <laughs> Would you fancy it? But do you honestly to say that just so that you could take me out into yeah, saying it worked though, didn't it? Um, let's park it because I don't want to muddy the waters. I also know that the Wales camp and group aren't having conversations with external coaches after a conversation I had on Friday, but that's one for you and me to talk about off the pod. Um, I want to know what you think of France. I don't think they've played very well at all, really. I think the try that Jacquet scored, I think it was like a one-two, one-two with Sansu. Um like at the finish was brilliant. I like bigged her up at the start of the tournament. Her basic skills have been pretty shoddy. Like the bat ball that she drops and and it just kind of is going along the team. Like Sansu's the one that is getting all the player of the matches and, and probably rightly so because she's the most consistent with them. But they're not looking like the giant slayers that they have done in the past yeah. in that I don't think... if in, if if France play like they have done, they'll challenge England, but England will just pull away from them. And But they just, yeah, they're lacking clinical detail, which is an interesting one because they're better than that as a team. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see whether they can pull it together or if it was just going to be like last year, where it's like two rhinos running at each other. No one decided to run at space. It was like, let's run at each other as hard as possible. Bang. It was great being pitch side because you, like, you actually heard the hits and they were cool. great, but... When you're in BBC studio where there's no ad breaks and you've got one try to talk about, it gets a little bit challenging. So mm, tedious. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to say about that is on Friday evening before the game, dad texted me and was like, Oh, how good are France? You know, is this going to be 50 like England? I said, Oh, uh, I don't think it will be, but you'll love their scrum half. And I know I've talked about this a lot, and and we shouldn't be looking to men to to kind of back up our argument about women's rugby, but on Saturday, dad and I went to watch the Cardiff Ospreys game and my dad was telling other men in the gatekeeper and then in the rugby club about Law Sanseus, this amazing scrum half he'd watched play for France on Friday night. And it was it was really cool. It was cool listening to, you know, older middle-aged men talking about this woman. Oh, I saw that as well. Oh, what a player. And I just thought, this is where we're going with this because there are eyes on it. There are eyeballs on it. They don't have to look hard for it. It's literally on S4C there for them to watch. The other thing I wanted to tell you, so I did the Nick and Mo show last night. And I obviously said that I thought based on France's performance, England will put 20 points on them. I've been trolled in French. Somebody's been commenting <laughs> on my Instagram posts, like telling me that the, the, I, I can't really remember what it said because it was in French, but basically like giving me a load of, you know, chat saying, the first one said, Madame Jones, vous avez bien de l'équipe la France. I don't know what it said, but it basically in English said, you said it well that France will lose against the English. Okay, message received by the girls of 15 de France. Meet your country on Saturday, the United Kingdom versus France. And I replied saying, je suis galois. And then they said, I got it all figured out, but you said that France will lose and the English are prepared for such an event. I say, okay, the English are the best and I agree, but they are going to experience hell at Jean Doge on Saturday. Well, I mean, it's quite nice trolling. I, I wouldn't say, I've definitely heard worse. And interestingly, having spoken to um, Polly Barnes, so Wayne Barnes's wife, um, round the Champions Cup when he referees over in France, he gets an absolute torrent of abuse on social media and to the point where they're threatened to go over to France. They're threatened to get like, and they start go. they also get into Polly. And I, I mean, to be honest, I think it's utterly atrocious. I think it's so bad. Like, it's funny that we're laughing that someone's come at you, but yeah, I, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? It is, it's, it is nuts. Like, let's be honest, like people taking it that seriously is nuts. But I just found it, you know, the fact that somebody has sought me out to do it in French. So you've gone to all that effort to find me on Instagram to do it. And then you've posted it in French anyway, which I can't read. <laughs> I've had to run it. Anyway, 
Should we move on to the England game? Wow. Wow. Congratulations and revelations, Emily Scarrett. Um, it's really funny. So no one really knows where that comes from, but it, well, we do, if you're in the room. So shirt presentation would always get a little bit like giddy around yeah. lots of things with England. There'd be like a reason. So Cat Merchant was known as one touch because on her first cap, she caught the ball and scored. So every time she went up to clap, get her shirt, we'd all just go, like, so it's one touch, one clap. Um, but someone would always forget. So they'd be way, like, anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and then we were in, um, we must have been playing at the stoop because we were at the Hogs Back near um, Surrey Sports Park, the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> Very random place. Um, and uh, it was, it must have been an autumn one because there were Christmas carols playing. And um, as they were, they, as they announced um, Emily, they, the song, like it, it, I don't know, the music kind of turned up and it said, la, 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 la. and then they basically went, Emily's carol, and they went, Emily's <laughs> So every time she gets, um, yeah, she goes up for a shirt. Well, I hope they still do it, but that's how, um, that's, That's very cute. Fun. But yeah, I mean, what about that? 100 caps just down the road from where you started your rugby. Yeah. That would be basically like me me getting 100 caps at mine. I mean, it wouldn't happen, but you could only you could only I do don't like in that kind of situation, I don't know how you'd like keep your composure. I would have cried all match if I were here. Like the emotion of that would have been too much <laughs> for me. I have to say one of my favorite tweets I saw over the weekend and I mean this in all due respect to this man, he hasn't said it in any kind of he hasn't meant to be patronizing anyway, but he said, honestly, I never really watched the Women's Six Nations before this championship. One player stands out the most for me, and that's Emily Scarrett. An amazing talent will hopefully inspire future generations to help grow the sport. I feel like there's late to the party and then there's turning up the day after the party finished. Like, I know that he means that in a really positive aspect, but I'm like, the woman got 100 caps on the weekend. Like... It, I just, and, and for every cap, for every cap, she's pretty much been the one of the best players on the exactly. pitch. Like it's yeah, um, it is mad. Like I remember when Scars first came through, and and actually I was thinking about it because when she played for twenties, she was a fullback, and I remember at the time Streety was um, head coach of the of the seniors, and he said, and he was saying to me and telling me that this amazing young player that was like six foot something and was coming through, and she scored all these tries to the twenties, and I remember thinking. Like, all right, all right, she's she's that good, is she? Kind of like, you know, oh well, I can't compete with someone that's six foot, but we'll see how good she is. And I'm I'm always intrigued to know, because at that time I was playing fullback for England, I was, you know, regularly starting, and she came in and um played at 13. And it's interesting how players like she is world, world class at 13, but she could have been world class wherever she wherever she plays. And actually was 13 always her position or was it fullback and actually because there was an England senior player in fullback and there they had there'd been like a retirement or there hadn't really been someone that had been playing 13 since Daisy and Jeppy and like other players um yeah I don't know it's just an, I just I just had a thought and I was thinking about other players that are, are playing in different positions and quite often you see it around um so like front row for instance Maud Mert like when she was coming through the system, they were like, and it was around the World Cup when England didn't necessarily have the depth at hooker. They were like, actually, we wanted you to be playing hooker. So she was doing loads. Of, she's a world-class prop. Now she's playing loose head, but she's probably going to, she's probably a tight head more so. Yeah. Um, so it's like, it's interesting that influence of international status when players come in, they're really, really amazing. But if there's someone that's they're not going to start above potentially to start off with, where do you put them? Does that show that perhaps sense? the measure of their talent and class more than anything, though? You know, if you were a lesser player and you were being put in a different position, you perhaps might fade off. Do you think that Skaz will go down as as one of the absolute greats of England women's rugby? Well, not even of um, England women, it, like of the world. Like she's she's absolutely like monumental in the game. And I think it's not necessarily um, it, like about one thing. It's the fact that she's 
so consistently good at everything. And I yeah. think that, that there are very, very rare players that can do that whole package at the top consistently over, I think now probably 13, 14 years, yeah. potentially. Um, I think injuries and done it. Like I always find that, you know, I, I always talk about you in platitudes in that regard in terms of somebody coming back from adversity Skaz has had a share of injuries during a career and to come back and perform at that level after those I think is is as amazing oh yeah like the the ankle break or the leg break recent like last autumn was horrendous and to come back and to perform you know she's probably not at her absolute best at the moment which isn't necessarily the thing is she doesn't need to be her absolute yeah. best to still be world class and I think that that just shows how good she is she obviously stepped into that leadership role really well and is, is kind of taking a different role within the team. Um, yeah, like on the pitch, we were like, couldn't be more opposite. I wouldn't stop talking and she <laughs> didn't really talk um, when I was there, but probably because she didn't need to. Um, but look, it, it's not that I don't, like, I, I think she's a world-class 13. It just made me think because she came through the system as a fullback and then changed. Um, and actually it also was brought up because um Helen Rowland went back into the 15 shirt um this game and and looked really good looked really good like she's such a and such a good rugby player um and you know Zoe's playing really well she's managing the team really well at the moment so at 10 so actually that uh, you know that option um and Ellie Ellie Kildun came on um for Jess when she got ahead smashed in so um and scored two brilliant tries um so yeah like it's an interesting combination at the moment and I don't think anyone has really stamped the 15 shirt in mids eyes um but Ellie doing what she did was was great um but she can... really embarrassment of riches when you talk about them like that and actually quite painful to listen to but it does kind of neatly you've talked about Jess and, and Skaz there it does neatly bring us onto the cards in that game and that's one headline for me that I kind of want to talk to you about in terms of were they the right decisions was Leanne lucky um, um, well actually we need to give a massive shout out to Leanne because she has battled so many injuries operation after operation on her ankle and all sorts of stuff and yeah for her to get a 50th cap and be in wicked shape is brilliant so huge congratulations to her um, I think it's a bit harsh really imagine like achieving such a monumental thing in your career and then like someone like Emily Scarrett getting your 100th at, at, at Welford Road where she's from it's like you can't really compete even though it's what you're achieving is amazing this yeah um I, I personally think the the hit out should have been yellow I don't think that there was much like too much intent there but at the same time she struck out and I think that she was really lucky to not get a yellow some people said red like no like not at all you can't necessarily see from the camera angle whether she goes to push her shoulder um and like hits her in the face but I just think that that type of thing is what we need to just, it's, it's quite simple, isn't it? It just yeah. needs, you know, um, and I also think, you know, for me, unfortunately, I think that there should have been another, a definite card. Um, I think Dorothy Wall's tackle on Jess is actually, I, I personally think that if you go on what we're seeing in the men's game, how the men's game is being managed, any face on faces at the moment, it's pretty yeah. much guaranteed a red. I think her tackle, was most definitely a worse situation than Senna's because Dorothy was moving forward. It was her tackle technique. She didn't bend. She went to meet Jess and went yeah. head to head, um, caused a unbelievable gash on Jess's face that she put on her socials. This <laughs> is gross. Um, but, and also terrible because it's going through her eyebrow. She's going to have definite eyebrow problems. Yeah, with scar. She's going to like Nelly. I was going to say she's older. She's old already. Yeah, she's not old. get that. Um, <laughs> I what's interesting is that in the men's game they're coming down it really hard do you think there's more of a reason in the women's game to be more punitive because of the example it sets and because we are talking about it's it's punitive against poor tackle technique really and in terms of education of the game is it important that 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 message is sent across to girls coming through playing the game I don't think it's any different I think any young person coming into rugby is young person coming into rugby whether they're male or female I just think that 
Dorothy's tackle technique was worse than Senna. She Senna checked back, and it's the check back that of, often means that you get a bad collision. Yeah. So she checked back against Skaz, and but just for whatever reason, like, and, and she's unfortunate. Like it was just a really bad timed arm swing, um, and I actually think you know probably looking at it. You, again, you couldn't really see on the replays. I would look at them as if I'm watching it as commentary and it was really hard because the angles they had, there was no close-up. Um, if you then go by the letter of the law, she makes contact with the with the face and head. Skaz has got a big black eye, so therefore it's a red. But the fact that they deemed that a red and the other one a penalty, a yellow, yeah. I'm like, they're not, in my opinion, then... Uh, and they said that there was far more um, force in Senes. I think it's because of what happened to Emily, because she landed and was stayed down on her face. Yeah. Whereas Jess, it, she got piled into because it was a breakdown and the ball moved um, away. And it wasn't like so obvious because it yeah. was it was an isolated tackle. Um, yeah. So it look, it's not. This isn't a dig at the players. This isn't a dig at that uh, they were doing a bad thing. I just feel like from a consistency perspective, that's how I, if I was in commentary, that's how I would have called them. Um, in terms of the collisions in that game, it was pretty feisty, wasn't it? Always is against Ireland. Like they absolutely belt you. They always, I like, I love played against Ireland because it was proper like physical warfare. It was hectic. Um, I think where they struggled was consistency at set piece. Um, their line out didn't function very well. Um, and again, their clearance just wasn't good enough. But considering that that was a team that had basically been put together, not played this tournament, and it's round four, I think was brilliant. Maybe having fresher legs helped a little bit. Um, but, you know, the the England girls, you think Zoe Yorkoff coming back from injury, she was class brilliant. And then seeing Amy Cocaine and Hannah Bottoman, who we saw in Bristol, who had a really bad knee injury come back, they absolutely, and Maud, absolutely pulverised them up yeah. front in the second half. Um, so, yeah, probably the only two concerning things were Sunta going off with a rib injury and um, and Poppy with a calf injury. But I'm pretty sure both of them have flown out with the squad. Yeah. So they're in and around it. But then you get to call in the likes of Sarah Beckett if you want to like for like. Um, slightly disappointing to not see Vicky Fleetwood call back in. I think having that pace and speed on kick chase in particular is going to be needed against the French. Because yeah. um, they have... Jacque, like we said, a bit against Wales. If she's got pace, if she's got a little bit of space, and Sansu, she'll tear people apart if the kick chase isn't good enough. And I just think yeah. she has that edge. Um, but then saying that, you know, Marley at the moment in the seven shirt is playing some of the best rugby, which is really cool. Yeah, I, I was watch, really cool. Watching the England game actually and looking at it as um, kind of why are England good? Why can Marley get that many turnovers? Because it, it's rare to see a seven get that many jackals yeah. these days just because of the, the nature of the way that the game's played and, and refed. And, and I think it's just because of their physical dominance. <clears throat> so the physical dominance, they win most collisions. So attack, they win, the, they win the collision, which gets teams on the back foot, which then ends up becoming a penalty. They kick to the corner, more try. Or in defence, they have such physical dominance that the defence is always on the front foot. Yeah. And so it also means that the, the attack is constantly having to try and build momentum. And if you've got a tackle, a tackle that has been done for you, so it's like a double tackle, but Marley's coming into poach. If you've won that collision, the support has to come back round and get in. Whereas for Marley, she's all she's doing is moving forward. So her timing is great. It's not anything to take in. She's an absolute rat bag. Like she's playing so well and it's not to take away from her skill, but I think it, it, it comes on the back of England's yeah. physical dominance, their ability to fill the field. You know, what's going to be interesting is how they can perform against a team that will go fire, fight fire with fire. So I say, I just hope it doesn't happen like last year where they just ran into each other as hard as possible and no one really won anything. It was just all a bit of a, a smash up, which is great for some people, but rugby, great. Let's tie it up. We're going to move on to the Italy-Scotland game. But just before we do, we've talked about Skaz's milestone. But I know that there's somebody special that you wanted to talk about who was quite prominent in the coverage. And Jill Burns was there on the weekend um, and all the work that she has done for England rugby and actually all of the regional areas of England rugby, which I wasn't actually aware of until the weekend. 
yeah so the divisional girls got um that got senior caps had got recognized as well and they got um their official caps given to them and presented with them and and, and it was awesome like all the different colors um it was brilliant to see rachel hill who um snc from was and good friend um ultimate tryhard she was there um and then she posted a picture actually on her instagram of like back when she played and 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 actually how special it was to be part of all of that to be recognized as part of the the legacy of the game and it wasn't just jill so jill put on our red roses group and it wasn't just internationals like i say it was all the divisional players people that had played a's so jill got 400 tickets there was that many women from across the game that had basically been part of the legacy of wow. the game um and what what's amazing is you look at the talent of those players within it the passion the involvement that a lot of them still have um and and actually why did they do it why did they put uh, you know and, and I get I get still asked that question a lot although a lot of people think that I'm part of the solely professional era yeah but knowing what I had to do as a player and actually, I they gave me a springboard. So they built the springboard. I had the springboard and we pushed it from, from behind to make sure that they got to where it is now. It's a fascinating one because when you look at a lot of people were calling for contracts for Ireland and this is ridiculous. It's that isn't and and saw Fee Cochland put on a tweet somewhere that contracts aren't the silver bullet, and that's right. that is hundred percent right. Those 400 women, which isn't even all of them, that's just the people that could make the game that. That is why England are so good because generation after generation after generation have given their absolute all because there was a foundation and a structure in place where we could play, where we could, we and and the and the support support levels around the top teams, as, as in when it went to divisional, when it went to international, when it was A's, you know, England Academy, England A, England Seniors. You know, we don't have those structures in place with England now because there's the premier 15s yeah um so it's the what model is in place below the the test team and that takes time um I think Wales are a really good example though of if you do have the ability to support your top players and they are playing at a high level of club rugby week in week out which they are because they're playing in premier 15s against the England girls and other internationals and then you bring in the right coaching structures and support services around them, they can thrive. Can they beat the top teams yet? No, but they can get the best out of themselves. But um, also the union, the WRU's pledge hasn't just been to women's rugby, it has been to girls rugby. And actually I'd love to give a shout out to the Wales under 18s girls who beat Ireland oh, yeah. and Scotland in the under 18s. And, you know, I've met a few of those girls over the past few weeks and months. And that for me is one of the most heartening things. Those girls are getting opportunity. They, you know, Lisa Burgess is in charge of them. Like, you know, you're not going to get better than that. Absolute legend. Absolute legend, the birds. So yeah, that's a mega. Right. I really am conscious of time. We haven't talked about England, Scotland, uh, Italy, Scotland. Um, I went for a Scotland win on Fanzo last week and I was really quite surprised by the result because I thought it was really poor. Um, me too. I think Italy have been poor all tournament, apart from the French game where they kind of turned up, and it was mainly because Rigoni had such a good game from ten. Um, from ten, um, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think they're performing well at all. I don't know what's happened. There's a bit of a changing guard with Baratin not starting, and some of the other seniors like they're kind of you can tell that they're in their last season-ish of internationals. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they just really disjointed. They're not connect. They're not connecting well. Um, but fair play, they stayed in the fight. And I think the one thing about you know Italy and all of the other teams actually, they they defend hard. You know, they work hard for each other. It's just what they're doing with the attack. And I think Scotland, where they, I mean Emma Wassell makes a massive difference to them in set piece like her work around the pitch took a try really well as well um where they look strong um I just feel like on phase play they are so deep they they and they're so static that it's so easy for teams to to defend them and I think if they're going to go up against a strong Irish defense like we've seen now Sene is probably likely 
unless she gets her red card overturned, which yeah. you're kind of thinking is going to happen, she's out. She could see um, the coach like absolutely devastated when he went off. She went off the field because obviously it means that she's not going to be there next week. But with the aggressive nature of Ireland's defence, with all the will in the world and all the good stuff that Scotland are doing, they're just not having the impact with the ball that they could do. Yeah, um, and I think a lot of it comes to just simply the depth that they play at. I think that if they played at the line, they challenged the line when they get get stuck into teams like they did with France, they they scored and they got. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, but it, yeah, it's um, <laughs> I like their brand of rugby. I like what they're aiming to do, but it's just it's just the clinical, physical nature of what they're trying to piece together. It's so wide as well, you know. Yeah. It's, the, the ability to spin the ball that wide is 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 an impressive skill and they can do it there but it's not fast enough in through the air at the moment to just to do the damage it needs to um and again it's not to critique the girls it's just that finer deep those margins that they're doing good stuff but what makes you go from doing okay and now losing games to doing really well and and getting the wins yeah. um which is what they really they they deserve right they they really deserve 100%. Okay, give me your three predictions for this weekend. Other than we're having a bloody great time in Chiswick on Saturday. <laughs> um great time, great bants, great great giggles. Oh, bants, bants, bants. Um that's my three I'm, predictions. <laughs> I'm going to go for a Wales win. I think Wales at home. Um I hope that there's a good crowd and uh yeah, I think I think they can get stuck into a very wounded yeah. beast with the Italians. Um, I think England will win, but I don't think it's going to be a nice win. I think it, they'll be they'll either open up and there'll be like loads of tries because the defence just aren't used to some pretty decent attack, or it will be a monumental like last time ten eight. I think the score was, which was yeah. Uh, one for the purists. One for the purists. <laughs> um, and, ooh, Ireland, Scotland. Uh, I think I think losing, potentially losing Sene is a massive blow to that back line defensively uh, and, and the work she does. That said, Italy's... Italy's malls were unbelievable. Scotland's mall defence was really poor. And also Jenny Maxwell there, who's normally their starting nine or replacement <laughs> nine. Her and Katie Mattinson are battling out. Katie got a starting shirt, which was great, but then Jenny got stretched off, which is awful. So wish her the best of luck. If they don't have her, um, oh, I don't know. I feel Do like Scot- I, Scotland, I think, a due one. They've got it in them. They've definitely, most definitely got they it in them to win. That's how I put um, it. I think Scotland, actually, I think Ireland have been dealt some pretty challenge, pretty difficult challenges this um, the Six Nations. Obviously, losing a number of players um, to, to their sevens responsibilities, which is really important for them to do that, to get their world qualification in the sevens. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, we actually haven't talked about any of the sevens and there's some pretty big news on the seven circuit. So the black ferns are back. I can't believe you didn't talk about your best mates. I know, but it's because I'm not there. And like, obviously I flew back from Canada. They flew out. Um, and that's upsetting. Did you leave them any little notes in the airport? No, because I was in Vancouver and they're going to Vancouver Island. Yeah, but they would have flown into Vancouver airport. Not necessarily. They might have, um, they're, they're coming from New Zealand. They might have flown into Washington State and then Washington State to Vancouver Island. There are many um, routes, as the Americans oh, call okay. it. Um, also, <laughs> I didn't leave on the toilet door. I didn't leave any notes because when I was in Vancouver Airport last Monday, me and Dan Norton were basically doing relay hungover voms. So that oh, man signed off his sevens career. Round of applause for Dan Norton, the leading try scorer ever on the World Seven Series, and, and the worst in the world. Um, worst um, in the world. Where, on but... Sunday night, I said to Dan, "Dan, like, why, why now?" And he went, "Oh, look around." And I thought he was gonna. We were in a nightclub, and I thought he was gonna say, "I'm gonna really miss this." And he went, "We're the oldest people in here." And I thought, "Yeah, okay, fair enough. 
it is time. It's time for you. Maybe it's time for me to leave this club. And it was at that point I put my drink down and walked back to the hotel. But yeah, congratulations to him. Sevens this weekend, live on the World Rugby YouTube channel and on World Rugby Online for the last sessions on Sunday. Uh, get amongst it's, it. Is Ricky Swanell there? Because she made history, was the lead comms on the uh, men's final. That what what a lady. History. Yeah, and uh, then she got COVID. And yeah. <laughs> is she out and about though? She is out and about, but I think she's still she's still feeling it a little bit, but she is free, free from desire quarantine um but yeah she's back out um and talking about being back out i would like to give a massive try hard um shout out to amy wilson hardy um she's been battling injuries um since pre uh tokyo olympics and to see her back with the squad is awesome i think it just shows her resilience and she came back uh, i think she came back and played for wasps and got injured at the start of the season and just yeah just had a really tough time with it all so it's really good to to see her and and actually Langford was the tournament that she really burst onto the scene and into the squad and 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 put a hand up in 2015 um for the kind of the remainder of that block really um and finally it wouldn't be it would be remiss of me to give a to not give a shout out to Jay Checkles, who's going to get her first senior sevens cap um, because she was a heartbeat player. Um, but I, I honestly <laughs> thought we were going to get through this podcast without you doing that. I thought, wow, for the first time, Nolene is going to manage an hour of tryhards content without taking credit for being the teacher at Heartbreak. But here we are. So Jade, uh, congratulations! Jade unbelievable talent. Um, has had trades at Worcester and has had injuries and various bits and pieces. It's an interesting one with Jake because I'm surprised she hasn't burst in. She hasn't got a 15s cap, but I think maybe the sevens will give her that bite to get it. You know, she's incredibly talented, very similar to Tatiana Hurd in like real physical, but very skillful center in 15s. So it'd be great to see how she mixes it. It's going to be quite hard. They haven't got their main playmaker with Meg Jones being injured. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how they go, um, having done so well in Seville, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, and then just another last, last shout out. Um, the squad's on out, but this weekend will be Alex Matthews' 50th cap if she is um, selected. I hope she starts. I think she's deserved it. She is playing some wonderful rugby at the moment. Um, she's a world-class operator and human being. And she got a first cap against France. Um, and so to get her 50th out there, I think, um, yeah, would be brilliant. And, and speaking to, to Charlotte um, and uh, the Keens and all of the, that group, they were in the corner of the shed. Of course, they were in the shed, Gloucester through and through, Forest Adina's. Um, they were in the shed in the corner where she scored a try against. Um, oh, I love that. And just shows just how like Alex is. And I think just, yeah. So big shout out to her if she gets a 50th. Love that. Well, okay. she was she was also at Heartbreak, just so you know. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> nearly, nearly. Right, try hards. Well, we will see you on Saturday. Woohoo! Eye to eye, pint to pint. Eventbrite tickets across the tryhard socials. Get involved, get online, get your tickets. They are free. And we can't wait to watch these games with you. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.